Well, welcome, welcome to another Creative Spark AI podcast episode where I have conversations with professionals who either create generative AI power tools or use them to deliver projects much quicker. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. I'm a super passionate advocate and user of generative AI power tools. If you want to get a hold of me, right there is my email, marcelo at creativespark.ai. Finally, before we get started with our interview, remember to visit us at creativespark.ai for more podcast episodes, tutorials, short clips, blog articles, and lots more to help you deliver your digital projects quicker. Now, today's episode is all about generative AI text prompt engineering. You're going to hear a lot about this stuff. This is like a new skill set that we're all going to need to really harness the power behind generative AI tools. And the person to tell us all about that is going to be Greg Starling. He's the head of innovation at Tailwind. So without further ado, let's get Greg in. Greg, welcome. Thank you. Really, really appreciate you having me on today. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for doing this. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, text prompt engineering in just a minute. But before we do that, um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into uh, AI? Yeah, so uh, the short version is I've been in technology for uh, almost 25 years now. Um, got kind of a start in the early dot-com age in the, in the late 90s uh, and then kind of played different roles, um, CTO, CIO uh, type roles. Um, got really excited whenever I got this opportunity at Tailwind to come in and, and run an innovation lab. I, uh, in my previous job, I worked at, at, with innovation labs at, at Apple and Airbnb and kind of fell in love with that concept. Came over to, to Tailwind to be able to, to do that. Um, and just kind of part of the job is figuring out what's, what's hot, what's, what's coming, what's going. Um, so about a year ago now, um, really started, um, even more than that, a uh, year and a half ago, really started looking at the generative AI space, uh, figuring out um, how we could incorporate it at, at Tailwind, where we do um, marketing for solopreneurs and, and small businesses, and, and how we might be able to help them in terms of copy creating. And uh, we acquired a company called Replier.ai that, that got us uh, into the space pretty quickly um, early last year. And then so now for, for about a year, I've uh, been trying to figure out how to, to write prompts. Um, you, you mentioned it's, it's a very nascent space uh, right now, so there's not a whole lot out there. And so everybody's just kind of trailblazing and pioneering and having a really good time. And so, but that's, that's what I do all day. I get to work with some really smart engineers and some really smart people um, and uh, been fortunate to do that now for, for a long time. It's a dream job. So a couple of things there. Uh, you mentioned head of innovation. So tell us a little bit more, more about what does that entail? I mean, it sounds honestly like you get to play in a lab and have a lot of fun, that's, first of all. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do. I, I we um, My lab is is, is here. I'm up, upstairs uh, at, at my house, which is, is nice. But um, yeah, that's really what my job is, is, is I go out and I try to find what, um, where the market's heading, um, doing a lot of like um, forecasting and trying to understand um, what, what technologies are gonna, gonna stick around and what, um, what's just kind of flash in the pan. And um, so we look at a lot of things, you know, things like blockchain or NFTs, which we really didn't get that into. Um, and then generative AI came up and, and um, you know, we have a really great team, uh, have, uh, several engineers um, that can we can iterate on things quickly, 
Um, I think the thing with generative AI specifically that really kind of hit home and was was exciting is is it was very easy to go and explain it to your grandma or your mom, right. you know, somebody who's not real tech savvy. You can show them very quickly, like, look, this can write an email. Whereas a lot of the other technologies that that we've been playing with uh, are much more complicated. It's, it's very difficult to explain blockchain to somebody in their their right. you know later years, and so. Generally, I still I was don't using, get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, very few people do. Uh, but uh, and so we, we realized we we're onto something, started creating some prototypes pretty quickly. And that's what we do really at the Innovation Lab is we try to prototype things very rapidly, um, get customer feedback on it as quick as we possibly can and uh, and then iterate. And um, I think the thing that came up over and over and why we realized this is really something is even whenever we weren't very good at writing prompts, Right. It still felt like magic. People were still like, that's so amazing. That's magical. And as we've gotten better uh, over the last year, it's it's just uh, more and more interesting. I'm kind of excited to talk about that. But yeah, that's really what the Innovation Lab is. We just prototype things out really quickly, get it in front of audiences and, and, and see what they think. It really does feel like magic. Now, um, you mentioned you guys acquired uh, Replier. Is that what, what it was called? Replier. Uh, uh -huh. And that is that how you got into generative AI or is that how the company you work for got into it? Uh, well, and we explain were, what it is a little bit. Okay, so what Replier did, uh, and it's it's since been shut down. But what what it did was, it looked at um, responses that people would write on Google reviews, and it would gauge based off the number of stars. It gauge the sentiment of if it's a positive or a negative review, mm. and then look at the text and then respond back as the owner to um, to the uh, to the the review. And so that was was interesting, uh, but we found it because we were specifically looking for, we weren't experts and we knew we weren't experts in the generative AI space, um, but we were looking for a, a company that, that could help us. Uh, the founder stayed on and helped us for a, a while. He's since, um, he's actually has a really great job at IBM now, uh, but uh, he, he, guided us through and made sure that we knew what we were doing and kind of made sure we had the right steps. So, so we were part of the expertise almost. That's really what we did. The, the, the product itself was interesting, but wasn't really what we were interested in. We were interested right. in the expertise and the underlying technology. And so we were trying to find that and we were able to, to find Replier uh, for, for a, a price that made sense for us uh, at the time. And then really it was more almost like a, an intelligence acquisition where we, we, got smart on it. And so that's, yeah. that's really what, what the point of it was. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Well, let's, if you're ready, let's jump into yeah, text please. prompt. Let's, let's set a baseline before I know you're going to be, we're going to be showing your screen and you're going to be guiding through and we'll have the conversation as you're showing stuff. Right. Okay. But yep. before we do that, let's define a text prompt for people. What is that? Okay. Yeah. So text prompt is really just you telling the computer, you giving the computer, the AI instructions, on um, something you want it to perform. So it could be you want it to write an email, you want it to write a tweet, you want it to generate an image. Uh, but all it is is trying to figure out how to communicate um, with the robot, more or less. And, and um, it's a little different than talking to humans, um, but uh, you kind of get a knack for it after, after a while. And, uh, but that's all it is. You're just writing out, it's text, text to text or text to image. You're just writing out text to get text back or writing out text to get an image back. To get a response. Yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. but the idea is that it's more natural language, right? As opposed to right. computer code. Yes. It's all NLP natural language processing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now we go from there to uh, text prompt, text prompt engineering. That sounds like a really hard uh, uh, job to have, but it really isn't. What do we mean by that? 
text prompt engineering is just the process of creating the text. You know, it's, it's going through and figuring out the right ways to, to query, the right, right questions to ask um, the, com the computer. So it's, it's just that, that specific process of creating the prompt. Got it, got it. So from a very high level, uh, right? Like from input to algorithm to output, can you give us, how does the text prompt workflow work? Yeah, okay, so um, we'll just use, say we're using GPT-3 as an example. And we're so gonna what, cover the difference on that stuff too. Okay, now, perfect, so, yeah. Yep. So in that case, what you're doing is you're, you're querying the computer, you're asking the, the AI, GPT-3, or whatever the, the model, the model language is, model. Yeah, yeah. Um, is you're asking it for something specific. And so what it does in the case of, so image creation and text creation work a little different. On the image side, what we're looking at doing is we're going to ask it something and it's going to give us the most likely outcome back. It's going to give us the most, what it thinks is the most probable um, response um, based off of what you're asking. And it's unbelievably impressive. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me and I may screw this up, but it's something like 18 and a half million um, pieces of information it was trained on, which was 10x what GPT-2 was trained on. And so, and GPT-4 will be out um, before we know it, right. uh, which is trained on more data and trained in better ways. And so uh, what it does is it you you prompt it, say, I want you to write an email to my mom uh, telling her I'm not going to be able to make Thanksgiving. And it, based off of that prompt, will start giving you what it thinks is the most likely really next word. And it goes right. almost word by word uh, to, to write that, that email out, um, for you. There's some, some negatives to that, that we'll kind of get into as, as may, maybe ways to make it a little more, uh, higher quality, but that's how it works. On the other hand, on the image side. So with image generation, um, it's a little different. It's using, um, diffusion. And so what, what it does is if you think of like a, um, a left brain and a right brain, one, you ask it, same type of thing. Say, create, an Im I want an image of a, a road with a giant light bulb at the end of it for my PowerPoint. Um, it, so the prompt in terms of that is, is very similar on both sides, but the way that the, the model works is different. So in that case, you have one side that's just crazy idea guy. And crazy idea guy is coming up with millions of different concepts to think this fits. On the other hand, you have um, more of the, the left-brained or the, the more thoughtful thing and saying yeah that's it that's it that's it and then so this guy's coming up with a million ideas at once and this guy's saying that's close that's close and then at the end it'll come up with with a result for you so it's, it's a little different process it's not necessarily trying to come up with the most likely version it's coming it's coming up with uh you know all, all the training data trying to come up with something um that that it thinks is going to fit the criteria it's just kind of a little different process of getting there and in the case of of text you're going to get a response. You're going to get a text response back. And in the case of, of image, you're going to get an, an image response back. Usually images, depending on what, what engine you're using, you get, you know, three to five uh, right. images back for you to kind of choose from. And then you can right. iterate on them. Uh, same thing on the text side. You can iterate on your results, especially in chat GPT. You can really iterate on your results in chat GPT. Meaning you can have a com continuous conversation, conversation. with it. Yeah. yeah. And very similarly, you can have a, a conversation with, um, in this similarly is probably not the right way, way to say it, but, um, in a similar manner, you can can continue to iterate on the images and say that's close, tweak it right. this way. Or that's close and tweak it. That and we're way. not going to get into that, but in painting, and there's a whole bunch of stuff you could yeah. do to get in the painting, image exactly. Out painting. You, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Cool. Now, um, so you mentioned GPT three and you mentioned GPT four. Um, there's Chat GPT. Right. There's Claude, which is 
different company too. So mm -hmm. can you explain the difference between them? Yeah, sure. So there are a lot of, uh, a lot of large um, language model companies. Um, Google uh, is very big uh, in the space. They haven't released anything yet. It'll be interesting when they do. They've acquired a big company and I imagine they'll release things quickly. Uh, Microsoft is aligned with OpenAI. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, uh, I was actually on a call with um, a, a product manager at Microsoft last night, and he was telling me a lot of the things that are coming that's really interesting that Microsoft's going to be, be bringing into their search engines, being, and they're, they're trying to compete, right? They're trying to, trying to get yeah. a, a differentiator from Google uh, as they've lost market share over the years. And so um, uh, you have models like Claude. So Claude is still in a closed beta. Um, I've personally not been able to use it. Um, I don't know anybody who's been able to use it, but I've read the reviews of it. It's supposed to be really good at some stuff. It, it's actually built, Claude's built by some uh, former OpenAI engineers. OpenAI, right. And, uh, and so it uses a lot of the similar things. The biggest difference between Claude and the OpenAI models, which are the GPT and the models, chat GPT 2, 3, 4, chat GPT, is GPT relies on human feedback um to, to continue to refine their model where claude is doing more of like an old school not not that it's worse it's just a different model of they got to the starting point but in terms of like if they're good more of a challenge ai challenge model of is and so they're using ai to to be able to validate the quality of the results um as opposed to humans so that's one of the big differences in the underlying kind of concept but uh in terms of how you interact with them uh chat gpt chat gpt a lot of people will just say it's kind of like GPT 3.5. It's a little more sophisticated. You mentioned you can have a conversation with it. You can go back and forth. And so in that way, it's much um, uh, easier, maybe more rudimentary to use than GPT 3 is. The nice thing about GPT 3, excuse me, the nice thing about GPT 3 is you have the ability to really control some of the, the parameters of what engine you're using, uh, right. what, you know, how, um, how variable you want the text to be, how crazy you want it to think. So you have some abilities to do that. You don't have that ability on the, the chat GPT side, but the chat GPT side is a little more advanced um, in terms of its responses. It can do some things better um, than GPT-3 can. Um, Especially on the conversation side. Very much so on the conversation side. And, and um, there are workarounds on GPT-3 to get the same type of results, but it's a workaround. It's not, it's not just out of the box as, as simple to use as, as ChatGPT. Chat GPT. Um, GPT-3 is also commercially available, which matters a lot to me because we sell the underlying, uh, we have a, a layer on top of the underlying technology. And so it's, um, you can use it. You don't have to worry about the, the uptime, downtime. I don't know. You know, I'm sure people listening have, have uh, got on chat GPT if they have, or if they do, they'll see we're Many down. Times, you, you yeah, can't get or on, we're at capacity, it. the infamous exactly. uh, yeah. uh, message, so, right? Yeah. And so you don't run into that with GPT-3 because you're paying for it. Uh, it's right. not expensive. It's not overly expensive at all. Uh, I think you can do somewhere around like um, a thousand it's, tokens. It's like AWS. I mean, it's pennies yeah. where you're paying. Yeah, I yeah. have a $18 credit and I've used it a lot. And I think I still have $17.95 credit. I mean, it's right. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I am um, a similar type boat. Like I, I have two accounts. I have my personal account and then my work account. Mm -hmm. uh, my personal account, I maybe use $5 a month and I'm on it all day, every day. Right. Um, now work when we're more at scale and we have, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of right. users, you could start to, to, to burn through some money. But 
Um, but if but you're personally using it as a tool, it's going to no, be like literally nothing for you. Negligible. It is, it is the most cost effective personal assistant you can ever, ever get. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's why, that's why it's affecting the world in, in such a manner, right? It's going to be crazy. It, it's already is crazy. It, yeah. You know, I, I tell people. It's going to be a lot, crazier. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Um, I, I saw an interview last night where um, an education person was talking saying like, we think that everybody knows about GPT because it's in the news, but the truth is we still have a small fraction of people that know about it. And he said, 2023 is going to be the big year, you know, where, where people really start to see it, really start to yeah. learn it. And it's, it's going to, it's going to turn, it's going to, in my mind, it will revolutionize just about every industry because everything. text, I agree. text touches everything. Um, and I think whether and it's not just text, it's unstructured data, right? So audio, right. video, wait till you get text to All video. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to finish this setting the baseline for everybody. Yeah. So everybody has the knowledge, right? And then we'll move into the actual text prompts. But um, we talked about GPT-3, chat GPT, uh, Claude. Uh, give a little bit overview of uh, Dolly, Stable okay. Diffusion, Midjourney, and it's probably a million others. But those are, those are. are the three big ones, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, pros and cons to them all. Um, they all are... Uh, image or text to image now all all three of those models you mentioned are, are, are um text image, image generators yeah yeah image generators from from your your prompt and so dolly is open ai um so if you have our you know credits at with you're using gpt3 uh you already have the same login everything to to use dolly um mid journey is honestly my favorite i think it it, it comes up with the most interesting um Images, uh, probably the highest quality images. Stable diffusion uh, is the most difficult to use. It's got the, the biggest learning curve, but also has the most flexibility. You know, like with a lot of things, they give you a whole lot of options. So in, able to, in order to use all those options, it's, it's a little more difficult. With great power comes great complexity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's, it's pretty complex, but you can do a lot of really fine tuning with it. Much easier to train your own yeah. models. Uh, you can also diffusion. install it locally, right? I have, um, uh, what is it, Invoke AI, um, yep. which you can install lo locally and you can control pretty much everything. Yeah, it's Stable Diffusion is very easy to control. If you want to, if you had your own images you were creating, say for a video game or something like that, Stable Diffusion would probably be better because you could make sure it was trained on exactly your images. Um, so Stable Diffusion and Dolly both allow in-painting and out-painting. Uh, in-painting just real quickly is like, if you want to add, images um or something to an image uh it's it's basically what photoshop does whenever they're doing the, the smart fill um that's in painting and then out painting is if you have a small image being able to make it bigger and bigger so if you wanted to take Extending the mona lisa the yeah you want to take the mona lisa and see what you know her legs look like or what what the surrounding right. look like you that's out painting uh mid journey does not allow for that there's so you so sometimes you need to mix and match so maybe like maybe you're like me and the way i mix and match i actually uh, was working on this last night and I used three tools. I used mid journey to come up with my initial image and then I wanted to do some tweaking. So I brought it over to Dolly to do some in painting. And then there's some things that like you just can't at this point tell the computer to do. So then I brought it over to Photoshop to finish up exactly. the last little bit. And so, but at the same time, I came up with an image at the end that I could have never in, come up on my own. Uh, and I tell people this quite a bit. It's, it's, I feel like if, if you're a character in a video game, these engines, whether they're the image engines or the text engines, are like putting all of your XP, all of your experience on productivity because it, it 10x is everything you're doing. And so the 
once you kind of get familiar and you can use the different different models, you can mix and match. You can even use, and I've done this, you can use uh, GPT-3 or ChatGPT to create your prompts for mid-journey or, or right. for Dolly. And then so if you have an idea, like help me write these prompts. And so there's there's some really interesting ways you can kind of mix and match different tools um, to, to get the most most out of them. Yeah, and there are tools out there that actually will help you create prompts, yep. right? That, yeah. Uh -huh. So let's ju jump a little bit into text prompts before we, we jump into a demo and you show us some of okay, this stuff. Perfect. But um, so when creating text prompts, do you have sort of a systematic approach that you go through? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to an extent. Um, there's some syntax that I always use that I've kind of learned over time. Uh, you'll see that whenever we go through the the prompting. Um, there's ways like putting brackets around what, what you're talking about. Um, you won't see anybody talk about this probably because um, it's just something you kind of stumble across after a period of time. Um, but it keeps the the result from not getting mixed up and very much understanding where you where you wanted to stop and where it begins. Um, but from a systematic approach, yeah, I, I think I, for the most part, I do uh, have have a a process that I go to. Depending on the type of prompt, it would be different. But if in the larger prompts, you know, I want to, and I think we're going to talk about this, but I want to simulate like a persona. Like I want to figure out what what the persona mm -hmm. is. I want. And then I want to tell it what the task is, like what I'm trying to do. And then I don't want it to have to guess at what the tasks are. So I'm going to give it usually the steps to complete the task. And then are there any constraints um, that I want to put on it? Um, and then and then I'll usually we'll, we'll state the goal kind of one last time. Like the goal of this is for you to give me X. And so that's I, I kind of have that those steps. And, and sometimes you mix and match. Sometimes you don't need them all, depending on the prompt. Sometimes you use them all. Uh, but that's, I, I kind of have a little starting point where I'm like, you know, I need to get these four or five things uh, to start off with. And again, just to kind of run back through them, just in case it's like persona, task, how to complete it, any constraints and what my goal is. And so let's, let's go through those. From. Let's go through okay. those actually. Yeah. So with the persona, we're talking about role playing, right? So give an example uh -huh. of, of we'll, we'll hit each of them, a given example of a persona or, uh, so or think, a role, how you would do it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think this is actually one of the more interesting pieces. Um, and this is how you can start to actually make it feel better and more professional. So you can do it a few different ways. I'll talk about a couple really quickly. One is you can tell it to uh, answer as if, so if you were say writing, a, um, uh, writing an email, you say, you know, if you were a marketing graduate from the your marketing professor at the University of Stanford, or, or write this as the, a marketing professor at the University of Stanford uh, with a PhD in creative writing, I and see. so so it will start to to be able to use that. Another thing that you can use is a book. So if you know there's there's a really great book on whatever you're you're working on. Say you're working on a blog, and there's a book that either you like or um, a book you've heard is really great at blogs. You can say using the principles from XYZ uh, book. Exactly. You using these mm. principles, write this task for me. And so th those are kind of the two ways you can set up a persona. So you're telling the, the AI, I want to, um, I want you to write it in the style of, of this. Uh, you can use, um, so we talked about kind of um, um, not specific, you know, like you're a professor, but you can also tell the specific people the, if you want to write it in the style of like Ernest Hemingway, a little punchier, a little, you know, you can write in the style of Ernest Hemingway. 
Um, you want to write, you know, you're writing a blog post and you really like Malcolm Gladwell, write it in the style of Malcolm Gladwell. Um, you like Gary Vaynerchuk. It knows who Gary Vaynerchuk is. Write it in the style, write this prompt or write this um, result in the style of Gary Vaynerchuk. So you can be a little more generic and say, write this as a marketing professor or write this as a uh, professional copywriter. Um, you can say, use, use very specific principles from books or concepts, or you can go all the way down to write it like this person would write it. One thing to be really clear, just real quick, yeah. that, that, that will screw it up. Uh, and this is very, very different on the text side versus the image side. On the text side, if you tell it multiple personas, if you say, write this like a marketing professor from Stanford in the style of Malcolm Gladwell, it will not do a good job. And it'll actually revert much more towards a really generic response. Mm. Um, it doesn't handle that really well. On the image side, it's the opposite. On the image side, mixing two, three, four artists will it's, actually give you a really great result uh, right. that doesn't really look like any of them, but pulls in the different styles of them all. Uh, that does not work that way on the tech side. Now, one thing I wanted to point out, which I think for people to start thinking about this, is what you mentioned. You, you, you mentioned authors, books, and all this stuff, and uh, artists, right? But but let's say you have a model that you're training in a company, mm -hmm. and it's a model that you're training in all the stuff that your CEO wrote, right? Yeah. Then maybe you can say, write this in the style of our CEO, now you have a tool that helps you basically write blog articles for your CEO. Yeah, and there's 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 two ways to do that. One, you can actually, to your point, you can train the model. You can train the model on that text. Another thing that you can do, if you don't want, and so training the model is actually a little more expensive. There's, there's another way to do it. It's a little more expensive and it's a little more tech heavy. But what's a really light way to do that is if you want to, you can, put in a few of your, your bosses, the CEO's blog posts. And you can say, tell me the style, the tone, and the voice of this blog post. Oh. And then you can do that, put it, do it three, four, five times, kind of pick and choose like, okay, this is the style. It's optimistic or it's pessimistic or it's futuristic, yeah. whatever kind of the style is, the voice and the tone. And then you can say, and then you can go back and say, okay, now this is going to be our CEO's style, voice, and tone. And then so so you can instead of having to train it on that specific data, which would work 100 percent, it would work and it might even be a little better, um, but it'll also be a little more constraining. If you right. just give it the style, the voice and the tone, you'll give it a little more flexibility and freedom. Um, hmm. So it might not be exactly like the CEO would write it, but it might be how I wish he could write it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, so context is context different than than persona, because it sounds a lot like you're providing context there, but do we mean context in a different manner or is that basically a persona or role that you were talking about? I, I think context is, is the same thing, like a persona or role, basically. Got it. Because once I, once I kind of get that persona down, whether it's the writing style or the person, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give it like what the task is. Like I want you to create five blog post ideas. You Got know? it. So I'm going to give it the task after I kind of get that, that persona. Got it. So then, um, does the amount of detail you provide affect the outcome? In other Very words, much. is it recommend, but, uh, but it could affect it both negative or positive, right? Yes. So is it recommended, and I'm talking about text to text, not text to mm -hmm. image. Right. Is it recommended that you provide a lot? Well, we could talk about both actually, but that you provide a lot of detail. I mean, is there a balance or? There, there is a balance. Um, uh, I'm actually writing a book on this right now and I was just working through this uh, last night. Um, there is there is a balance uh, when when you're working through um, what 
what you're trying to actually um, do. I think you want to be, uh, you want to be concise. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um, there's a, whatever that old Einstein quote is, and I'll probably botch it, but it's basically as complicated as it need to, needs to be, but no more. Right. Um, so you want to give it all the information that it needs. You want to be clear, concise, and complete. And so clear is you're telling it exactly what it, what it needs to do. Concise is you don't waste words, but at the same time, it needs to be complete. Like you need to, to ask everything. And so probably if you looked at my prompts, you would think they were long because um, they're probably a lot longer than the ones you see in any of like the examples, mm -hmm. but they're very concise. There's no wasted words, but I'm telling the, the uh, AI exactly what I want it to do. Um, and so it doesn't get confused that way. Like if, if you say, you know, this is who it is, this is what I want you to do. And here are any additional instructions. And this is what the final result wants to, I, I want the final result to be. You'll get a really, really great prompt or a really great result from that prompt. And so I think that's a little bit of the, the yin and the yang or the balance. You, you want right. to have everything in there that you need it, need it to be, but you don't want to, um, you don't want to put fluff in there, you know, it's just think of like back in your, you know, seventh or eighth grade English, whenever you're, you know, your English teacher might have said sharpen your verbs. Like you right. don't need to, to run quickly. You need to sprint, you know, those right. types of things uh, are, are, are what you're trying to do when you can just get really concise. Um, but yeah, to your point, you can mix things up. If, if you tell it conflicting things or give it two things for, for one thing, you can really cause it to have problems. So give it one very specific task, one very specific persona, um, it'll do a really great job. And sometimes that might get to be paragraphs long in the, the actual prompt. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about modifiers. What are okay. modifiers? So modifiers are more used in image on the image side than they are in the text side. Um, modifiers tend to be things like um, an art style, like Art Nouveau or Cubism. Um, it could be uh, a photograph or a painting um, or a line drawing. And so it's just giving it additional um, context to know, I want you to, to draw a dog. I want, I want a painting, of, but I want a painting of a dog. Uh, and I want it in an Art Nouveau style. Um, and so those, the painting in Art Nouveau would be modifiers on your original prompt of dog, what you're trying to do. Um, you don't do that so much on the, the text side. Uh, it's, it's, it's um, more just on the tech side, you're just really more just writing things uh, as you go. But modifiers are very specific use cases on the text to image side. Um, you're just giving it some very specific things by this artist or by these artists. Um, those would all be considered um, modifiers, even right. things like camera angles, uh, lighting styles. You know, yeah. I want a, a Rembrandt lighting. I, I, or I did cinematic lighting. Exactly. A close yes. up. I did that for some of the images. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like almost um, in the style of, of 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 this author, keep it short. Seems it would be also modifiers for text to text. Yeah, I, 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 I've. That's a really good way to put it. I've never actually heard it that way, but that's a good way to, to put it. Um, uh, I, I imagine again, like I said, like this is all kind of really new. It is uh, right, new. and it's and evolving so, and ever changing. Yeah. So I could see somebody. Uh, if they created, and I think this will exist soon, some some layer over the top of of uh, open of GPT three, where you can say, you know, give me what you're trying to do, and then let's choose some modifiers of the the author or the persona. Right. Uh, I could see that. I, I haven't seen it yet. I've definitely seen that on the image side, um, but 
but if somebody's somebody's watching or listening to this, maybe they could be the one to make it because that'd be a lot hey, easier. Maybe do. we could do it. Let's just there do it. There you go. Yeah, Why perfect. Not? Yeah. What are what are negative prompts? When we're talking oh, about neg So negative prompts are just saying not to be this way. Like, um, don't. It's just telling it what not to do. Um, that's a lot again. So a lot do give me this, but not this. Yeah, exactly. So um you might say on the text side, you might say, don't be redundant. Um, on mm. the image side, you might say, don't, um, don't do, uh, don't add um, text. Um, because uh, that's one thing we haven't talked about. And maybe we don't need to, it gets a little deep. There's no real reason to, but because of the way the images are created, they're terrible at text. They're terrible. Um, I think there's, there is one, I forget which one it was that can do text, but yeah, they, in general, they're pretty bad at text. Yeah. And, and, and almost because of the diffusion and the way that it works, it makes it very difficult. So, uh, there will probably be solutions in the future where they're putting text over the top or doing some things right. like that. But the actual image generation is, is difficult. So that's a really good negative prompt. One that I use quite a bit is, is like no text um, because you don't, it'll ruin your images because it won't be right. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's how you do it on the image side, on the, on the, the text side. A lot of times it's like, you know, um, again, I, like I said, like, don't be redundant. Um, don't give me a common answer. Um, and that's, again, so we can kind of, we can get into that in a little bit about how to get away from that GPT sound. Um, mm -hmm. Personas do that a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, that's, that's, that's basically how the, the negative prompts work. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what are some ethical considerations with text prompts? So that we should be aware of, we should keep yeah. in mind. So um, you can do a lot of bad <laughs> with with all of these things. Um, it's just like any; it's a tool. Um, right. You can, you, you can use a hammer to build a house. You can use a hammer to rob a store. Um, yeah. You can do the same thing with prompts. Um, you can you can use prompts to create Twitter bots um, that could influence. Um, elections that could influence politics. Um, and so there's, there's an ethic, there's an ethic there. Um, you can also a concern, and this isn't an ethical concern as much as just something to be aware of, but I, I feel like it kind of falls in that day. It will give you medical advice. And if you're mm. using it to write a blog about you how to not be careful get, about, yeah, how to not yeah. get skin cancer, you could be giving somebody really bad advice because that is one of the, things that people don't realize is there are a lot of problems with all these models. And one of the biggest problems is it will answer your question. It might just not answer it correctly. It's called hallucination, right? Where it exactly. starts making up stuff. It will, it'll, it'll make up a quote. It might give you it. You could ask um, GPT uh, to tell me how to build an airplane and it will try its dead level best to tell you how to build an airplane. But I would not go out and use those instructions to build an airplane because it's going to be bad. That's not as ethical as if you say like ways to avoid cancer. And then all of a sudden you're putting out some content and you got somebody doing something that that might be really negative. Um, right. The ethics really come into play a lot, lot more on the image side um, for a number of reasons. Um, one is the data that it's trained on. It's trained on internet data. So the internet has particular biases and skews. If you ask it, um, to generate me an image of a CEO, it is almost certainly going to look like one of us. It's going to be an older white male. Um, if you, if you ask it to create some images of, you know, overly sexualized, 
um, type of people, you're going to end up uh, with um, certain classes, certain images that just um, are, are maybe not represented in, in the best light. Um, the, it, there, there are a lot of um, ethical concerns around um, the way people are represented because, again, it's just trained on data. So if if, garbage in, garbage out. Exactly. And there's a lot of garbage on the internet, as we all yeah. know. Yeah. And so so it, there's some some concerns there, some real concerns uh, that, that people are not represented um, in, in the best way. And I think the easiest one, because it's easy to pick on us because we both look the same. Uh, but if you ask it to, you know, say, show me what success looks like, there, there's a good chance it's going to look like us because that's the data that's trained. It's also, <coughs> excuse me. It's also overtrained uh, on American, um, right? So if you want, if you want to represent a family, it's going to almost certainly be an American family, right. unless you tell it specifically, give me a family from uh, France or give me a family from Nigeria. But if you just say family, it's going to be an American family right. almost certainly. Um, so it's it's those are some of the ethical things that um, people get get frustrated with, and that can happen a bit on the the tech side as well. Uh, if you say, write, for example, the same type of a thing, write, uh, write me a blog post from the perspective of a CEO, it will almost certainly write that blog post from the perspective of a male CEO. Right. Um, you can tell it from a female, um, you know, or, or give me, you know, weight loss tips. It will probably give you weight loss tips based on, you know, what it, it's familiar, what, what the most common internet data is going to be. Um, uh, same types of things on the image side. If you say generate an ideal man, it's going to generate a man that looks a certain way. And so there's a lot of kind of concerns around a lot of the gains that we've made around uh, equality, equity, um, right. body inclu inclusivity. Uh, that is not trained on the data um, at all. Right. Um, on the but other one thing to keep in mind there, though, to clarify, is that it, the, that's a data problem, not a technology problem. That's very much right. Yes. So very much it's right. very important because people are afraid of AI and look at this. It's not fair, but it's really a data problem. So if we can fix the data problem, exactly. the technology that interprets that data, it still works the same way. Yeah, that's that's very much the truth. And I, we also get into a little bit of a slippery slope there. Um Open AI uh, edits. You can't you can't go into uh, GPT three or Chat GPT or anything and say write a uh, a hate manifesto right. uh, like I'm a um, Nazi. It won't right. do it. It'll just say we don't we don't do this. It won't even write mean jokes. Um, and so the where it gets a little tricky there is also if you were to ask it if you were to ask it two months ago, what's the solution to our energy crisis? Um, GPT would return a lot of responses around drilling more oil. Um, they didn't like that. They didn't think that that was the right solution. They thought, again, it's based on older data, like, and and some of the solutions that it that it has. And so, they've they've now modified that. the The OpenAI group has has modified that data, and so that gets a little concerning um, right. because at some point uh, they, you know, they can say like, my job, all I do all day every day is create marketing marketing materials and marketing copy right. who decides point, what is at the end of the day yeah at some point they may yeah. decide that's manipulative and you can't do that anymore. right but i think that i think we can say that about pretty much any technology social media everything else right and that's, that's right that's yeah that's where total yeah that's a, a whole podcast in itself but yeah it i is. agree with you yeah but yeah. it does go back to what you're talking about when you talked about claude 
or GPT or there's Goose AI or, you know, Google's DeepMind. Um, from a business perspective, you may want to look at cases where you're not, um, you're not dependent on a single platform. Um, so that I think right. that, you know, if somebody is listening and they're like, hey, I'm going to set this up for my company, not a big deal. If you're a small startup, you know, use use whatever's easiest and chat GPT or GPT three right now, not chat GPT, but GPT three is probably the easiest one to plug and play. You can be up and running, but if you get a little bigger, you may want to make sure that you can plug in um, a different, uh, a different um, um, large language model in the back end, right. uh, just to reduce the platform risk. That'd be something right. you'd want to want to account for in a, in a larger business. Yeah, definitely. So um, from, from templates perspective, are there templates uh, that people can look at to start learning? I mean, obviously you're writing a book, which is great. Unfortunately, it's not ready yet, but, right. um, but are there templates uh, that people can go out and look or, or download and start plugging in their, their, their modifiers and their topics? Uh, there definitely is on the image side. Um, there, if you just type in like mid journey prompter in Google, there's a really great prompter image. I, I forget the gentleman that created it, but it's outstanding. Um, and it, it, it'll help you. You mentioned modifiers. You can go in and put the different modifiers. It'll walk you through all of those pieces. So again, just Google or Bing, uh, or duck, duck, go, whatever your preference whatever is, your preference uh, yeah, mid journey mod or mid journey prompter. And you'll get a really good deal there on the tech side right now. Um, I think what we're seeing a lot of is uh, everybody's treating these like secret sauce, like they're, they're secret recipes. Because yeah. if I spend a lot of time, like um, I spent, and this is the absolute truth, I spent over 20 hours this week trying to get it to generate uh, a really good ideas for a blog post. Um, my company will now treat that as proprietary. Um, Interesting. That's, that's kind of our, it's a differentiator. It's, it's a prompt that that does recursion, and it's it's a very complicated, very complex prompt, um, and and so there's not but, a lot. But of I wonder. But I wonder. Sorry to interrupt you there, but it, it begs the question of what the what does what does the law think? So let's say, for example, you create that, right? Yeah. And I'm an employee there, and I take it and then leave and take it with me. I I don't think, and I'm not no lawyer here, so no right, legal right. advice here. I don't know, but I don't think the law knows what to do with that yet. I think we're very much in that space across the board in yeah. the generative AI space. We've seen a few lawsuits. Um, you mentioned ethics. Probably one of the biggest ethics that I didn't touch on was all these artists that had all of their I work. I think there's a lawsuit going on right now. There as is. Of, yeah, whatever date. Yeah, just a few days ago. Um, yeah. There's there's a lawsuit um, around around that suing. Um, they're not suing OpenAI, on, oddly enough. No, I think is it Stable Diffusion? They're I think it's suing Stable Diffusion, diffusion MidJourney, and... Um, because they're using public uh, right. art, right? And they, they're considering yeah. that derivative, derivatives of yeah. that art. Yeah. I, again, I'm not a lawyer at all Neither. either. I think, I think they'll I. lose. I think there's really good cases there that they'll, they'll probably will not prevail. Um, but, uh, but again, we're not giving advice here. We don't know no. anything. Okay. Just want to <laughs> no, give that disclosure. Not, no not advice whatsoever. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and so I, I think there's going to be over the next few years, it's going to be like whenever the internet came in because all those exactly. laws for the internet were around catalog sales. Yes. And, and, and then the laws had to change and adapt to, to the internet. I think laws right now around copyright and things like that, a lot of them are honestly based around like uh, search engines and Google because it's very similar data. And there's, there's laws specifically in the UK around uh, mining, even copyright data is protected. It's mm. like uh, free to use. 
Um, you, I think we normally think of UK laws as being more strict uh, than a lot of other places, but in the case of like data collection, it's actually very, very lenient. Um, I imagine mm-hmm. there'll be cases that'll come out of California. California usually leads in the United States with the tech cases. Right. Um, and so we'll, we'll see some cases. Uh, we've already seen um, uh, software developers sue uh, Microsoft and Copilot uh, for, for what they feel is their code being co-opted and reused in, in these chat models. Um, so I, it's, it's really wild, wild west. But yeah, so I mean, to get back to your, your question, uh, I, uh, I think my personal opinion is prompts are not a differentiator or won't be. Um, I think you still have to have a really good business model. You still have to be solving a need. Right. Um, and I think that's what, that'll be what differentiates you from the crowd, not your ability to write a really good prompt. I, think, I do think that writing really good prompts is, is, is important. I think it's going to be a job that people have. I already know there are people getting hired as prompt engineers. Um, I, probably once or twice a week, I'll get hit up on LinkedIn. Like, Hey, do you want to come, you know, help us write prompt engineer or, or prompts? Um, so that, I do think that is an emerging job. Um, so I, but I still think that the prompts themselves are not differentiated, but kind of to get back to your point, uh, there is uh, OpenAI has a discord um, that you can get in and kind of see, and they'll, they'll do like GPT. I think it's mostly chat GPT examples. You can kind of see what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is a good space to kind of see if you just, there's a few people to follow on Twitter. LinkedIn um, too. Let's sort of say LinkedIn. I mean, we're in the same group. That's how we got connected yeah. with, with a, um, a, a prompting group. Uh, there's a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and hopefully, like I said, I'll, I'll just give a real quick, quick plug for the book I'm working on. Hopefully my book will be out here in a, in a month or so. And it's called uh, Conversations with Robots. And so I got the domain oh, conversations. Yeah, so I have conversationswithrobots.com. And uh, I got to ask, did Chat, Chat GPT help you pick that title? <laughs> it, it did. <laughs> uh, there you I, go. <laughs> it did. Uh, it did. I, the book is, is almost totally written by me. I did use some some. I like uh, how you said help. almost. <laughs> yeah, I used some help in some places. It, it's a, I think where it's great at is, um, is helping with block, you know, helping you come up with some ideas. Um, the images in the book are all 100 percent um, generated uh, by AI. Um, but yeah, so uh, hopefully there'll be some people again, it's it's early days. Like there's tons of books right now on writing PHP or writing, you know, whatever right. your programming language of choice is. There's not a lot of books out. There will be there will be a lot of books out. Uh, I hope uh, I hope people find mine useful and uh um, we'll definitely tell everybody once you have it, you'll give us the link that. and we'll put it yeah. in the notes and go on the social media. Yeah. So we're almost here at the end. I have one more question. Then let's jump into a quick okay. demo Perfect. where you could yeah. write a couple just For to sure. show and stuff. But from a developer's point of view, what should they be aware of uh, from text prompts? Is it any different when you're doing text prompts via an API? No, no, it's, it's really no different. Like, in fact, um, and I can show you this whenever we go through, but uh, GPT. I can bring it up now if you're ready. We can just yeah, jump in now. Sure. That. All right, let me give me one second here. And there we go. We can see your screen. Perfect. Okay. And for those of you uh, listening on the audio podcast, We'll try to we'll try to create a, um, uh, audio text prompts for you so you can follow along. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll just go through and let's just. Um, so this is the let, let's real quick. We're looking yeah. at the um, this is the OpenAI Playground that allows right. you to access uh, GPT three, not Chat yes. GPT. 
they they did announce i think it was yesterday they announced that they're working on the api yes but it's not out yet so this is only gpt3 specifically yes 3.5 right if we're going to be no very this is three oh this three is three okay yeah uh, chat gpt is what people kind of call three five so you can see over here there are different models that you can use so you can see these are gpt3 models um you can see more uh da vinci three uh if you're listening and not can't That's see more this of the advanced, right? that's that's the best it is by far the best some of the others are are not quite as good but if you're looking for some uh, a bot that gives really specific examples uh like or specific answers so say you wanted to just have like a question answer bot and people ask questions like what's the capital of france um Mm -hmm. you can use uh curry uh is really good at that uh babbage and they're a lot less expensive And so if you have bots and you want to save money, again, we like we spoke earlier, this is not overly expensive by any means. But if you do start to get up to like internet data, you can run into the hundreds or thousands of dollars a month relatively quickly if you're you're dealing with hundreds or hundreds of thousands Right, of people right. using it. So, uh, but we'll use text DaVinci three. It's the best. Temperature is just um, how wild and crazy you want it to be. I usually like to set mine at 0.9 because even then it's not that wild and crazy. Um, uh, but it, it goes on a scale from zero being it is not
um, a lot of times it can be pretty complicated. So, but we're going to start yeah. like as a famous podcaster, um, give, uh, trying to think of like, give write me, me a what, script, right. a podcast script. Um, where I interview you. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. Yeah. Where, I no, interview. where I interview an expert in generative AI text prompts. Okay, so we have that. And now we're going to give it some more instructions. Um, what, uh, you're, you're a podcaster. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what would a script, uh, and I'm going to say the script should I'd want include... an intro. I would like, an, the script should have an intro. I see what you're saying. So this is where we're starting to provide sort of context or at least yep. some of the um, uh, requirements. Uh, yeah, exactly. The script should include an introduction. It should include an overview of the guest. It should have, let's just keep it simple, five questions, right? I normally have like a whole bunch of questions, but it should have five questions. And it should have a wrap up or a closing. We'll keep it simple, right? A conclusion. A conclusion, yeah. Um, I think you misspelled conclusion. No. Yeah. Uh, no. One S, yeah. There we go. Yeah, got it. Okay, so you can kind of see here. So here we have a, um, we're, we're giving it the persona and then we're asking it, um, we're giving it a task. Uh, so the persona is a podcaster and the task is writing a uh, podcast script. Um, and then we're giving it some additional uh, instructions. there. Yeah, yeah, some requirements here. And we may now, want to- Now maybe, can we add some modifiers like uh, keep it, you know, keep the introduction and conclusion short? Yes. Yes, very much. Now I see that you didn't close the bracket yet. I'm not, uh, is I'm that not done typing. Got it. Okay. So this is for everything. The bracket is yep. not just for, okay. And conclusion should be whatever you want. should be uh, short. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to say, uh, the questions should be novel and not mm. obvious. But no, I love so, that. And questions plural maybe. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh, and the reason why we're going to do this, because this is what I was getting at, and this is why I think this is, is fun and interesting, is um, GPT or any large language model out of the box mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. going to give you boring stuff. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, that's not a, a, a bug, that's a feature, because it's giving you the most common thing that it thinks should come next. And so if you want it to not give you the most common thing next, you're going to say, give me something novel, give me something unique, give me something not obvious. And you can, you can even define that if you want, like... Um, novel could mean different things to different people, but right. um, but it, it this will be this will be good enough. So the introduction conclusion should be short. Um, uh, and, can... and just for the audience, we're getting pretty close to the end here, so we'll just yeah. do this and then we'll have to wrap Perfect. it up. But okay, yep. all right. So let's. Um, okay. I'm going to give it a goal. Um, oh, okay. So now we're giving it a goal. Full script from start to finish. Oh, okay. Love uh, that. I didn't even know about doing uh, that. Outlined uh, with bullet points. Uh, that, that's fine. That's amazing. Let's see what right, we let's get. See, let's see what we get. Let's see. So now it's writing the whole thing. You had an introduction. You have an overview of the guest. You have the questions. Do you have the conclusion? Uh, let's see. What inspired you to get into the world of natural language processing and generative AI text prompt? What have been some of the biggest successes, challenges that you've encountered along the way? 
In what ways do you think generative AI text prompts can help improve business processes? What does the future of natural language processing and generative AI text prompt look like? And what advice would you give someone who is looking to break into the field of NLP? Uh, those are pretty good questions. Obviously, they would need some finessing, you know, sure. obviously. And that's, I think this is what's important. And um, unfortunately, Greg, we were pretty much at the end. I'm going to go ahead okay. and stop sharing there. But um, what's important here to understand, and this is where I always, I tell people, don't worry, it's not replacing you. It's not replace. it needs you. Now, what's going to replace you is a person that knows how to use this tool. That's what's going to replace you. But AI won't replace you. Um, Greg, it's been wonderful. Uh, finally, just before we we end it here, thank you for showing that. I'd love to invite you to do a tutorial on just doing that. So when we'll talk about it offline, I just put you on the spot here. That's all. I'm doing yeah. that on purpose. Um, what do you want the future to look like for TechSprom? If you were in full control? I, I, I really hope that there's a lot. Um, there's I, I think the law needs to get sorted out. Mm. Um, I think there needs to be, um, I, I really hope that there's, there's some experts that are giving, um, that's, I, I hope people give back. Um, I, I, this is, um, it's really transformative and I think it's going to change a lot of things. And, uh, my hope is in the next year or so, there will be a lot more, you mentioned templates and things like that. that can get more, more people into it because I, I think it will transform every business across the world that it, I think that'll touch everything. And so my hope is, is that communities can grow up around this. Um, and, and can really, we can really help one another. And, and again, we can all 10 X and maybe, maybe it lets us work a little less and play a little more. Um, <laughs> but, but hopefully we can all, uh, just get to a point of where we're just trying to, we're using the, the technology as a tool, um, to do what we want to do, but doing it better. You mentioned, um, the human's going to be needed. The human's absolutely needed. Um, Always. Yeah. and so, so I think we're not trying to replace people. And I think showing people how to use this tool um, to their, the best of their um, ability companies. I think that's where we need to get to. And I'm really hopeful that's where the, the community goes in, in the future. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great way to close it up. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, that's the email right there. Yep. Yep. Greg at tailwindapp.com. And like I said, I, I got that website conversationswithrobots.com. If you want to sign up to get notified when the book comes out. And we look forward to having you in the tutorial. I know I put Perfect. you on the spot. I'll, no, I'll do it. I'll do it for sure. Sounds great, Greg. Thank you so much. Thanks to the rest of you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Spark AI podcast. And remember to visit creativespark.ai for more podcast episodes, tutorials, short clips, blog articles, and more that will help you deliver your projects quicker. Finally, right there is my email, marcelo at creativespark.ai if you want to get a hold of me. So I really look forward to seeing all of you on the next episode. Have a great one. Thank you.